It's time to sip coffee and talk pharmacy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pharmacy and Coffee. I'm your co-host, Dr. Farooz Shiraz, and with me are my co-hosts, Drs. Tiskia Hassan and Monique Terreau. Hello. Hi, everyone. To our returning listeners, thank you for your continuing support. And if you're new to this channel, welcome. You might know by now that this is a pharmacy-based podcast where we, the pharmacists, discuss a variety of topics from which we hope to educate, motivate, and inspire, as well as move our profession forward. And if you haven't yet, start following us on Instagram and Facebook. Do it. Do it now. Stay up to date. Get some. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into pharmacy, shall we? Today's episode is part three of our COVID-19 series. It's been 15 long months since the pandemic began, if you remember. And if you haven't yet, check out our previous two episodes in the series that discusses our experience from behind the counter. In this episode, we discuss the long-awaited COVID-19 vaccine. So, which vaccine is best? Let me make this clear. The best vaccine is the one that gets into your arm. Let me repeat this so that it is absolutely clear. The best vaccine is the one that makes it into your arm. All vaccines are effective against COVID-19, preventing hospitalization and mortality, which is the most important part. Most people would agree it is manageable if you get a little sick from COVID-19, but it is unacceptable to have complications and death due to COVID-19. And this is what all COVID-19 vaccines protect against. And getting the vaccine not only protects you, but also others who have not had the chance to get the vaccine yet. So right now, there are five vaccines approved for use in Canada. These include Pfizer's, Moderna, Janssen, AstraZeneca, also known as Shield. Between these five vaccines, there are used two different mechanisms. I know that a lot of people have many questions about these vaccines, so let's get started with how they work. Take it away, Monique. Would you please educate us on the mechanism of these vaccines? Thank you, Farouz. So starting with Pfizer and Moderna, these are both mRNA vaccines. Uh, They teach our bodies to make a piece of protein from the COVID-19 virus. Our bodies identify this little protein, recognize it as something that doesn't belong, and an immune response develops with antibodies. I just want to make this clear mRNA cannot change your DNA. Uh, This is like comparing a sticky note to a complete encyclopedia set where mRNA is that sticky note and your DNA are the encyclopedias. They have completely different structure, different layout, and they're made of completely different supplies. Then we've got AstraZeneca, Covishield, and Janssen. Uh, Janssen is the Johnson & Johnson. These ones are viral vector vaccines. They use a modified and inactive non-COVID-19 virus, carries the instructions into our cells, then again make a piece of the little protein of the COVID-19 virus, and our bodies identify this little protein, recognize it as something that does not belong, and again, an immune response develops with antibodies. Well said, Moni. Questions that I get from patients are, how do these vaccines differ in terms of dosing? Can we mix and match them? So, Tiskia, take it away and answer, or try and answer some of these questions for us, please. Yeah, I can take a jab at that. So, 
All the vaccines except the Janssen ones requires two doses, with the booster scheduled at around four months after the first dose here in Canada at least. This delay is to accommodate the number of people needing the vaccines and the supply of vaccines Canada has to work with. The idea is to try and stagger the shots to ensure that everyone has access to their first dose before others begin to receive their booster shots. At this point in time, the only directly interchangeable vaccines are AstraZeneca and Covishield, meaning if you got your first shot as AstraZeneca, your second dose could be either, again, AstraZeneca or Covishield, and then vice versa. If the worst case scenario happens, say for whatever reason you can't remember the exact vaccine you received for a first dose, or if there's a vaccine shortage that affects you being able to get your second shot, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, also known as NACI, recommends getting the same class of vaccine for your second dose. So if you got an mRNA vaccine for your first dose, so either Pfizer or Moderna, you could receive another mRNA-type vaccine for your booster, so either Pfizer or Moderna. On the other hand, if you got a viral vector for your first dose, so that being AstraZeneca, Covishield, or the Johnson Johnson one, you can get another one of those three viral vectors for your second dose. NACI at this point in time does not recommend mixing and matching between the mRNA and viral vector vaccines. There are studies of valuing this method that are ongoing, and NACI will update us once more evidence is available. Thank you for answering those questions, Saskia. Great job. Now, you might be wondering why pharmacies are only administering the AstraZeneca vaccine at the moment in pharmacies. The reason is actually quite simple. Most community pharmacies currently do not have the ability to store the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines as effectively as the AstraZeneca. Pfizer requires ultra-low temperatures to maintain shelf life. Moderna vaccines will only be viable at pharmacy-grade fridge temperatures for up to 30 days. The storage requirement themselves just made AstraZeneca the most efficient option in order to start the rollout in community pharmacies as fast as possible. So one of the biggest questions is what kind of side effects can you expect from the vaccines? So in terms of side effects, the vaccines are safer than if you were to actually get COVID-19. And just to clarify again, these vaccines cannot give you COVID-19. For the most common side effects shared between these vaccines, they are uh, soreness, redness, swelling, or itchiness at the injection site. Uh, some systemic side effects include fatigue, headache, muscle or bone aches, chills, fever, nausea. These reactions are mild and usually only last for about one to two days. Uh, for some people, though, these reactions may show up about eight or more days after getting the vaccine. Uh, we did want to touch a little bit on AstraZeneca and blood clots. This is something that has been causing some vaccine hesitancy. So let's talk about the um, vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia for a sec. So that's the, the blood clots. The blood clots have been reported in younger patients within 4 to 16 days of receiving the vaccine at a rate of about 10 in a million doses. That works out to 0.001%. Oh, I so know you love those numbers. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, you love those numbers, Monique. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, so put differently, uh, you have a 99.999% of not having a blood clot after receiving a dose of AstraZeneca. And again, because I still love numbers, we're going to put this into further context. Uh, the chance of getting a blood clot after getting a dose as we said, is that 0.001%. Meanwhile, the chance of getting a blood clot from using birth control pills is 
0.09%. The chance of an average Canadian just spontaneously developing a blood clot is 0.13%. So birth control and just spontaneous development of blood clots is much higher than getting a blood clot after AstraZeneca. Uh, Relatively speaking, you're over 100 times more likely to spontaneously and randomly develop a blood clot in your everyday life than you are following an AstraZeneca vaccine. That's amazing. You know what? Thank you for clarifying that. I know uh, for myself, there's been a lot of uh, patients who've been asking me about that. Um, So definitely well said. I will give them exactly those numbers. All right. Uh, So after having touched on all those numbers, the next question that comes up, are there certain individuals who are more at risk of experiencing these blood clots after receiving the AstraZeneca or Covishield vaccine? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I do get that a lot from a lot of patients. Um, and this uh, following excerpt is directly from the BCCDC FAQ sheet, uh, which states that most of the cases from Europe happen in women under age of 40, although some have happened in men too. We do not believe that these rare blood clotting events are more common in people with other risk of blood clots. People who have had blood clots before, people with a family history of blood clots, people with a history of low platelets, or pregnant people are not expected to be at higher risk of vaccine-associated bleeding or clotting problems. So that's directly from BCCDC, so there you go. No certain people are not at more risk of experiencing these blood clots from the AstraZeneca or the Covishield vaccine. So I guess let's talk about the new NACI recommendation regarding the mRNA vaccine. NACI came out with their recommendation stating that the mRNA vaccine is preferred over the viral vector due to the remote risk of these blood clots. They go on to state that the viral vector vaccine should only be given to those above 30 years of age at high risk of getting COVID-19 who can't reasonably wait for the mRNA vaccine, that they have no contraindication, and that informed consent regarding the risks and benefits of the vaccine is achieved. So after that statement from NASI came out, Health Canada later followed up on this, emphasizing that they're taking the position that the first is the best so doesn't really matter which vaccine you're getting whichever is available go for it and get that one so come on guys this has definitely been causing a lot of yes (laughs) i feel like confusion in our communities right it's been pretty bad because so many people are after hearing what nasi had to say are so reluctant even more than they already were um to get it but I mean, personally, I find that I agree with Health Canada in that, you know, whichever vaccine you can get, go for it. As we've discussed the numbers already, it's so, so low that getting uh, the risk of getting VITT that it just feels like a little bit nasty trying to be really on safe side just in case, just in case. But the numbers, like the numbers don't lie. When we first got the AstraZeneca vaccine, everybody wanted it. Then NASI comes out with this ridiculous um, statement. I mean, you have to 
take this into account. So, for example, if we had the choice of all of the vaccine in front of us and then you have to choose one, okay, make your make your choice from that, you know, go with the one that might require just one dose. In Canada, where our vaccination is hasn't even reached 50%, I believe, for first dose, to come out and say something like this, I honestly, I'm quite upset about it. Don't be upset. Don't <laughs> be upset. But in regards to what you said, yeah, and, and Monique, I'll agree with her as well, because she loves the numbers. The numbers do not lie. I don't know. I just, I just need everybody to get vaccinated and be safe. Let's move on and talk about how vaccine rollout has been in British Columbia. I think, and you can probably tell from our tone, that rollout here can really accurately be described as frustrating, not for just the public, but for pharmacies as well. You've been wanting them, and we've been wanting to administer them to you, but for a long time, we haven't had any. And now, as you know, we've just discussed, now that we have them... (laughs) Now there's a bit of hesitancy with the AstraZeneca. So there has been a lot of criticism regarding BC's vaccine rollout, especially when compared to other provinces in Canada. One thing to understand about the Canadian medical system is that the provinces and territories operate completely independently from each other. The federal government gives everyone some funding in addition to the same list of goals and requirements. But how each province or territory uses the money in order to implement those goals is completely up to them. So yes, BC is doing things differently from other provinces because the entire system they're working with is independent from those other provinces. So here in British Columbia, we have a few phases of vaccine rollout, phases one to four. Phase one had initially started in December of 2020 and went into February of 2021. And then this was followed by phase two uh, between February and April of 2021. And these were really administered to more high-risk populations. Then phase three started in April of 2021 to last until May of 2021. And Currently, we have finally entered phase four. So this is from May and is expected to go into July of 2021. And this includes the general population. So as of now, over 2 million COVID vaccine doses have been administered in BC. So I just checked the current dose. And as of May 16th at 6.04 p.m., um, the total count was 2,393,265 total doses which is really good guys even though we we could we could be Mm -hmm. getting more but you know still pretty good pretty good initially immunizations were administered by local public health units who were distributing mostly pfizer and moderna vaccines really the high-risk populations and obviously more recently the astrazeneca vaccines reached pharmacies for administration again to a certain group of people this group has been expanding quickly to include more and more people in hopes of getting a larger portion of the population vaccinated faster so uh, I know like with everything we've talked about it's difficult but we are wanting to get people vaccinated so if your pharmacy does have an AstraZeneca vaccine available or if you get called into a public health unit for your shot go get it ultimately make the informed decision Okay, now let me give you guys my experience while booking these vaccines and running clinics. So uh, most pharmacies are actually booking appointments online, uh, which has created, you know, a bit of a challenge for those who, who don't have access. And in order to accommodate them, we do make exceptions and book them in manually. I have heard that some pharmacies in Victoria have been doing walk-ins. Um, that to me is really asking for trouble. Uh, but hey, 
What do I know? I'm just one pharmacist. In regards to running the clinics and managing the workflow in pharmacy, um, it can be difficult if you don't have more help. For example, if you don't have any extra staff or extra pharmacist or immunizer, it can be really difficult. From my experience, however, I can't really complain. The whole team, the front store staff has been helping. The pharmacy owner came in to help out. And basically we had all hands on deck. So it was, it was pretty great. I did, however, hear from my fellow pharmacist. First, some of them, it was a disaster. Patients being unable to fill their prescriptions, wait time being extremely long, etc. Um, in regards to like paperwork, from my experience, again, it has been quite good. I can't really complain. The online booking system that we use allows the patients to pre-fill their consent form, uh, which makes things more efficient and smooth. Future vaccines, it's kind of confusing. I do tell them, if you can, go ahead, book with the government, book with us, book with you know, anybody, just just get it. Wherever you can get your second vaccine as fast as possible, get it. Um, word on the street, though, is that some pharmacies are getting more vaccines. As of last week, what has happened was that the government, um, the BC government, told community pharmacies to hold on to the AstraZeneca vaccine due to supply issue. And I'm sure you have heard uh, in regards to increased blood clot risk in Ontario. Um, again, those numbers are still extremely low, but it's mainly due to supply issue. That's also what's happening in Alberta, where there's a halt in AstraZeneca vaccine administration due to, again, supply issues. I also tell patients to check regularly with pharmacies just to see what's going on. We will also put a link where you can go register for your vaccine if you haven't done so yet. So we just wanted to touch briefly on how to actually go about uh, submitting a report about any kind of really weird or severe side effects from the vaccines. Uh, it's also known as an adverse event following immunization. Uh, I found out the difficult way that this isn't actually done through Health Canada, it's done through BC CDC. The form is quite comprehensive, uh, but who, to whoever's filling out the form, they do have a booklet that helps you how to fill it out. Um, after you complete it, you do have to fax it off to your closest public health unit. You can expect to have a follow-up from a public health nurse to clarify some of the information on that form. Uh, so what about all these variants that we've been hearing about? Uh, a lot of people have been asking about the variants and their effects on the vaccines. Uh, getting vaccinated it does produce a broad immune response, producing both antibodies and immune cells. Since the response is broad, variants do not make the vaccines completely ineffective. Uh, that being said, each variant is a new mystery and it takes time to study each one. If at some point in the future we do find that a new variant is just so different that it nullifies the current vaccine's abilities to provide protection, we at least have the ability to rapidly create new vaccines using the mRNA technology. So bottom line, the current vaccines that we have can provide some protection against some of the variants, but they may not provide complete immunity. All right. Well, if you had tuned into our public health episode, we described how human history has been plagued with many diseases at different periods and how the production of vaccines allowed us to eradicate these diseases that people felt they stood no chance against. Though COVID-19 does not have as high a mortality rate as some of those historic pandemics, it certainly causes many unnecessary and, more importantly, avoidable deaths. 
Today, most people do not question the validity of vaccines against measles and smallpox, and those vaccines came out many, many decades ago with technology that does not even compare to what we have today, which in part can help account for how much faster these vaccines were created compared to a century ago. Clinical trials showed that those who received a vaccine were 63 to 95% less likely to become sick with COVID-19 and were almost completely protected against severe illness, meaning hospitalization and death. Getting immunized allows you to protect others as well, including those who are unable to get the vaccine. The scientific evidence is clear. Vaccination is the most effective health intervention for prevention of many serious diseases, including COVID-19. Now, there are a few things that we are still trying to learn. We are still learning how well vaccines prevent you from spreading the virus to others, even if you do not have symptoms. We're also learning how long COVID-19 vaccines protect people. Still learning how many people have to be vaccinated against COVID-19 before most people can be considered protected by herd immunity. And we are still learning how effective the vaccines are against these new variants of the virus that causes COVID-19. And that's the challenge with any vaccine or drug, right? We don't know everything right off the bat, but continuing research allows us to find the answers through more testing and the ongoing gaining of a history with these vaccines. Okay, so our goal today was to dive into these vaccines in depth. Really, at the end of the day, only you can decide for yourself what is best for you. From a scientific and healthcare professional's point of view, the benefit of getting the vaccine are immense. I hope you all feel empowered with this information that we provided today. With more people getting vaccinated, we are slowly but surely getting that much closer to getting back to normal. Thank you all for listening. If you haven't had a chance yet, go listen to our previous episodes. I really like the brand and generic one. It's very practical. Have a listen. Let me know what you guys think. By now, you should have started following us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't, come on, get in the game. Lastly, be kind, be calm, be safe. This is Dr. Shiraz, logging out. It has been a lot of fun. Hope you were well caffeinated. Thank you for listening. And if you found this episode helpful, please share. For any feedback, please email us at pharmacyandcoffee at gmail.com. And remember, this episode is intended for educational purposes only. For any personalized medical advice, please see your pharmacist or other healthcare professional. And for my community pharmacists out there, you have the skills and the knowledge to make a difference. Don't be a pill barista.